Philosopher Friday. No, Philosophy Friday. Yes. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> All right, let's go. Philo Friday. Philo was awesome. <laughs> the Lagos. Philo yeah. and the Lagos. It was Philo about the Lagos, right? Philo, yes. Philo. Philo is when you when you pronounce it as a Greek student. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I've just, uh, I've just had our, our my conversation with uh, with um, my brother on Tuesday. If you missed that one about the the new Koine Greek reconstruction, have you checked that out? No. No, yeah. So it's like basically, so you know, like the Holy Rastian, you know, um, Theos, <laughs> or whatever. Yes. Just throw any word in there, and it sounds kind of American and stilted. Um, yeah, and just a really terrible man. I just actually recently got this uh, audio Bible thing, um, or like the, in Greek, you know, where the guy reads the New Testament, but it's in Erastian, and. Uh, yes. Oh man, it just and he's trying. He's trying. He's putting a little zumba on it, you know. He's throwing a little <laughs> R in there, and like you know, the the theos becomes you know theos. <laughs> it's just a little bit of a zh, and um, and it still sounds oh, it's terrible, man. You got to go the full, full hug modern Greek pronunciation to make yeah. Greek sound okay. It's crazy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, where was it going with that? Oh, philo, 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 philosophy, 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 <laughs> philosophos, philosophos. <laughs> oh, boy, all right, we're bleeding, we're bleeding on, on technical yeah. Tuesday again. All right, let's go. What are we talking about? So today we're carrying on with our apologetics and we are looking at the argument from longing or the argument from desire. Mm. Nice. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a great argument in our atheistic, agnostic, materialistic context. Mm -hmm. People that deny that there's heaven, people that deny that there's a soul, people that deny that, that there's God. This is one of those arguments that looks inside the human heart and says... Mm. There's a bunch of stuff that you want that uh, heaven, your soul, and God are the best uh, explanation for. And so this, this makes up for the argument of uh, desire. This is, uh, and I think we, we do and need Brooke to say And Fraser wrote a song about it. That she did, yeah. yeah. She was pretty much uh, quoting C.S. Lewis on that one. Yeah, so, so, I mean, the, the, the big names associated with this, I mean, there are lots of people who have developed it. But mm -hmm. Augustine, Blaise Pascal, mm -hmm. and C.S. Lewis would be the most typical, uh, the typical names associated with it. Mm -hmm. um, so l l let me kick it off, and uh, let's start with a quote from Augustine's Confessions, the most famous quote, chapter one, paragraph one. Here are the opening lines. He read, he writes, "Great are you, O Lord, and greatly to be praised." Great is your power and infinite is your wisdom. And man desires to praise you, for he is part of your creation. He bears his mortality about him, about with him, and carries the evidence of his sin and the proof that you resist the proud. Still he desires to praise you, this man who is only a small part of your creation. You have prompted him that he should delight to praise you. 
For you have made us for yourself, and restless is our heart until it comes to rest in you. Mm. Until it finds rest in thee. Yes. So this is obviously a newer translation that I'm quoting from. Yeah. Got it from monogism.com, uh, free ebooks. Cool. It's actually a very good translation, great introduction. Download mm. the PDF, very cool. useful. Nice. So, I mean, uh, Augustine is here drawing our attention to that created desire from God to relate to God. Mm-hmm. He affirms that even though we are sinful, that this desire to delight in God is still in the heart of humanity. This is something that is a basic drive. Mm. We, need to underst- we need to understand this in order to understand ourselves. Mm. And uh, what he does is he sort of supplements this notion of, uh, of uh, us being made for God, uh, this, this inbuilt desire for God with the notion of misdirected loves. Mm-hmm. where we have a need to love God, but we take that need and we place our love in other things. And we treat gifts as gods, and, you know, the gifts of God's creation as, as gods. And as a result, we end up destroying ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we have all this heartache. And so the misdirected love, which we should be channeling towards God, that God-shaped gap, that vacuum, we've turned towards other things. So Augustine has expressed it that way. And um, that was big in the charismatic movement, man. The very God big. shaped hole. It's subjective, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I think it's okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have to look inside. You do have feelings. Yeah, and it's part of the greater. Should. Yeah, it's yeah. part of the greater rubric that we're talking about. But it's not. Yeah, you, you don't look at it alone. But yeah, it's there. It's real. It's big. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So let's let's develop it. Let's look at C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. So, in his book called Mere Christianity. He has a chapter called Hope, which is all about, you know, uh, heaven. Mm-hmm. And this is the famous quote. Mm-hmm. He writes, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. Mm-hmm. A baby feels hungry. Well, there is such a thing as food. Yeah. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. So good. I think we should pause for a song. Just one second. Right. <laughs> Let's pull it out. You okay, got Brooke Fraser there? Here comes Brooke Fraser. She's coming on. Oh, it's good. Now, this is, you can't hear this, right, Nick? No. Uh, I'm hearing it, man. It's coming through on my side. All right, here we go. First lyric. Oh, no, that's the... Oh, oh, I'm a little skateboard. Oh, wait. Oh, here she goes. Get ready for C.S. Lewis. If I find in myself desires Nothing in this world can satisfy I can only come that I, I was not made for here. Boom. That's awesome. Uh, right. <laughs> yes, I mean, obviously a very popular idea. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's a very useful idea. But here's, here's another way in which he put it. I mean, he's, he says it in many different ways. Here's mm-hmm. another one from um, a very, another famous radio talk he did called Weight of Glory. Mm-hmm. And he says, A man's physical hunger does not prove that that man will get any bread. He Mm. may die of starvation on a raft in the Atlantic, but 
Surely a man's hunger does prove that he comes of a race which prepares its body by eating and inhabits a world where eatable substances exist. Yeah, and that's the thing. Totally. That's it. And he yeah. writes, in the same way, though I do not believe, and I wish I did, that my desire for paradise proves that I will gain it. Hmm. I think it a pretty good indication that such a thing exists and some men will. Or a man may love a woman and not win her, but it would be very odd if the phenomena called falling in love occurred in a sexless world. And what he means is a world without male or female. Right, right. Yeah. And another one. This is from one of his letters. If you are really the product of a materialistic universe which is obviously the uh, worldview is criticizing. How is it that you don't feel at home here? Do fish complain of the sea for being wet? <laughs> you know, why yeah. do you feel that things are bad? Why do you feel that things are wrong? Why do you have a desire for immortality, for purity, for yeah. beauty, for truth, for goodness, for yeah. righteousness, for a relationship with the creator of all things, and you can't have these things? Mm. These desires must be an indication of something that's out there that we aren't yet experiencing. Mm, and even just the the way that that mix up with uh, mixes up with uh, covenant theology, we were talking about it um, yesterday on Thursday theology. But um, you know that that resonance of truth thing in that you know you're created. I mean, there's Adam in the garden. It's very clear to him that he you know if he eats, I mean, he's, he's it's whatever we're feeling and whatever C.S. Lewis is talking about there is is sort of right there on the table for Adam. And it's not at all weird. It's like he knows exactly why he feels that way, and it's all before yep. him. And then it gets cut off by curse and death. It's just, you know, it's forever just unattainable. He can't work to enter into rest. He can't do anything significant with his work. He, death will always cut him off. He'll never be able to have dominion. He'll never have to do it. And yet all these eternal longings are there. You yes. Know, the, as the and author so himself says. We're sort of a bit of a paradox now. We have the longings. And in one way, we can, we can assess all human suffering and put it at the, the foot of these longings. And we can say that people have been chasing the wrong God mm. by pursuing the longing for God, but by making other things gods instead of God. Yeah. And so the gifts of God, which should have been roads which uh, took us to God, became roads that we, we ran away from God on. Totally. And um, so this is where uh, Blaise Pascal, he talks about this notion of deposed royalty. Mm -hmm. conflict in the human breast where you have these royal desires but mm. you're a sinner who cannot yeah. realize them mm. and um, so I mean for me this is an incredibly useful tool in apologetics and evangelism mm. I think I use this one more than anything else because there is angst and me, there is alienation and there is pain yes. in the human experience that you can tap into yeah and it's, we're, it's we're, just we're, resonant we're it's just resonant with truth it's just this is the the part that wins you over if you're a human being you know uh you yeah. just you're like i mean what someone's something has got to explain that you know and and we'll go for it try and find something else you know see if you can yeah, find well, something well, let's, that, let's let's do it let's yeah. do it yeah evolution yeah wow yes the evolutionary explanation yeah. all right mm -hmm. earlier models of our evolutionary selves had a desire for something else they had a desire for some sort of satisfaction or some sort of hope hmm. and by happy by happy coincidence this proved to be a very useful survival mechanism you see if our earlier models of our evolutionary self hoped for something so when a lion latched onto your back leg you didn't just give up you try to shake the lion off and you survived and because you survived, you survived to mate, and you passed off the need to survive gene onto your babies. Mm. 
<laughs> and so all the ones that didn't try to shake the lion off their legs because they wanted something more, they all died. And so we have these relics in our DNA. And we have this, we have this hope gene which tricks us into thinking there's something more, but it's nothing more than what used to help our former evolutionary selves survive. Man, it, hearing you talk like that, it almost sounds like you'd need to, it's almost like this, not only would you need faith to believe that, but you need like the faith that you would believe. Like, <laughs> but you know what like, it all boils down to? That you need to actually stop and think about what's going on. It's a complete lie. It's oh. delusion. Mm. It's a delusion that there's something else. There was just something that used to help you survive. And psychology saying, let's embrace this fact. Let's embrace the fact that you're a being that has, you're a hope being. You've got this, this genetic need for hope. So just hope in anything. Mm, mm. Just believe in anything. As long as you believe in something, you're, a, you're an animal that needs hope. So just hope, put, place your hope in anything. And they embrace yeah. the illusion of hope. Mm. There isn't a real hope out there. And so basically what they're saying is lie to yourself. Yeah. That's how they explain the desires away, and, and that dehumanizes us. Yeah, and look, that's on the table. Go for it if you want. There's a theory for you. You know, yeah. Personally, I think but, think of that in like, like that's like, you know, thinking that uh, we're fallen thetans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here's 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 the question we would have to ask: If yeah. we cannot trust that our desires for deeper satisfactions than this life can offer, uh, that that they don't represent anything true, but are simply the illusion of a former survival mechanism. What else is a lie? Yeah. Is love, is love a lie? Mm-hmm. Is good a lie? Is truth a lie? Or are these just the way our former survival mechanisms tricked us so that we could survive to make babies? And, 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 and what, we, what we're left with at the end of the day is nothing but a tyrannical relativism. Mm, mm. And, and the human spirit rages against that. Mm. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. We know it can't be true. We, there's something in us that says, no. Yeah. And yeah. we, we want to tap into that. Dude, totally. Man, what were you drinking tonight? Is that, were you drinking your tea again? Yeah, man. Peppermint tea. Dude, it's coming through. It's coming through. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, bro. Just keep going. Yeah. Peppermint tea and Tim Keller. That's I, what's. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a that is something that is a crazy combination right there. <laughs> and and uh, you know, just just tapping into Keller again. So he looks at he obviously looks at various uh, options of how to explain this design. Another one that he offers is the Stoic or Buddhist perspective, mm-hmm. where you view desire as something evil, something that needs to be controlled. So here we are with a set of desires. Evolution mm-hmm. says they're they're delusions mm-hmm. for, for for survival. Mm-hmm. Stoicism comes along and says. You know, you've got all these desires and you're frustrated and you're not satisfied. What's the solution? Well, do not seek to have events happen as you want them to, but instead want them to happen as they do happen and your mm. life will go well. Right. No, it's just just protect yeah. yourself. Protect yourself from emotions. It's just like one be, massive self-protection be therapy. Attached. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so in one sense, what you're doing with those desires is you're not being true to them. Mm. You're actually denying them. Just sweep them under the rug. Yeah, exactly. So what we're saying is that the Christian message gives the fullest part to mm. desire. Yes. It, it allows desire to be all that it was made to be mm-hmm. without dehumanizing ourselves, without diminishing the desire itself. And when we look at desire as our new narcissistic culture is saying, you know, desire is law. If mm. you have the desire, it must be true. Mm. Um, we account for that distortion of desire and that uh, dictator of desire by looking at the fall and the way in which the narrative of the Bible and, and the account of the fall explains why we have these 
contrary desires within us. Mm. You know, because, I mean, uh, the, the other option that we need to take account of in our age when it comes to desire is, you know, if you desire it, it must be true. This is mm. the whole homosexual transgender thing that's going mm-hmm. on, isn't mm-hmm. it? And uh, here's, here's how we would critique that. Why do you desire things that are contradictory? I want to be a man. I want to be a woman. I want to do good. I want to do evil. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible alone gives you an explanation for the contradiction of your desires, mm-hmm. the war that lies in our hearts, the fact that we're made in the image of God, but we're deposed royalty. We've fallen into sin. And so, you know, whether we're looking at the distorted desires or whether we're looking at self-destructive desires or whether we're looking to try and interpret desire through an evolutionary worldview, all of these things become great roads to bring up the argument for God from desire. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, as you were talking, I was just have you ever heard of the law of Thelema from, uh, you know, it's like Satanism, essentially? Uh, basically given to your desires. Yeah, just that's pretty much the <laughs> central tenet of it, you know. But yeah, I mean, yeah. like, it's it's interesting that, that even that would actually be one of the most powerful, you know, just the fact that those desires exist, you know, and if you had to actually yeah. analyze them properly and not just behave like an animal, you know, um, yeah, you'd actually you'd actually find in the central tenet of Satanism something that that, that is a powerful apologetic for the reality of uh, biblical <laughs> truth. It's just. Um, I mean, here's, here's here's the beauty of the gospel. Mm-hmm. God saves you to desire things well, so that cr- creation can become creation and not God to you. Mm. So you can enjoy nature, you can enjoy sex, you can enjoy family, you can enjoy work, you can enjoy all the things that we ordinarily turn into gods when we have God in the proper place in our lives. We're saved for those things, to enjoy those things for the glory of God again. Mm. Yeah, you know? totally. And it has, you know, you don't have to be destroyed. Because the problem is, like, if everything, and really what we're talking about is idolatry, you know, everything must become that, you're trying to fill that hole again, you're trying to fill that void that only God can fill, only eternity can fill. So you try and put things in that, in that place, and, and really that's idolatry. And, and the problem with that is that even good pleasures, even good desires, you know, you try and hold on to them as if they will give you the thing that you're missing. And in the process, you destroy them, and they destroy you. You know, that's the whole issue. Um, you know, I think, for example, of even parents with kids, you know, they, they find year is my meaning. Year is the way it's all going to make sense. I'm, I'm throwing it all into this parent-child thing, you know, and then, and then the yeah. child sort of goes rogue or isn't everything that, you know, it was supposed to be cracked up to. And it, how could the child ever live up to sort of an idolatrous expectation of, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's pretty much the, the, the way, I mean, at that point, parenting is going to go rogue. The child's going to go rogue. It's just, um, it's, they're all getting nothing destroyed. Nothing can survive. Yeah, nothing can survive being your God except God himself. And, and yeah, and as you're saying, as soon as you get this perspective issue right and you find God in God, then you can immediately enjoy the things that you're, you know. Yeah. It, you, you find true liberty in being able to enjoy the gifts. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, and it puts yeah. everything back into its place. Yeah. So that is something to think about. It's so relevant. It's so relevant epistemologically in terms of our postmodern everything. In terms of our, in terms of our relativism, it's it's um, it's relevant in terms of the the idolatry that's just uh, rampant uh, in society now. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a big apologetic. 
C.S. Lewis. What, what should they read if they want to like read more about? So this? mere Christianity has it in uh, his essay, Weight that, of Glory. Yeah, that's the one. Great. Yeah, that's the one. That, that that's probably one I would go to. Totally. Just for a single place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blaise Pascal in his Pompsers, uh, Pompsers. his confession, his confessions. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that he's got some writings there and of course augustine's confessions cool um, yeah brilliant blaise pascal we need to talk about him some more as well that guy's a champion yeah, I'm, busy, I'm, I'm busy listening to some of his stuff but it's 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 a little bit broken up okay so, yeah. I, I dig him i think blaise pascal is like the most underrated dude out there oh, awesome he's really good yeah anyway so we'll, we'll circle back to that but that's a good session man thanks a million nick uh, ladies and gentlemen what? the great nick cleavey <laughs> and another another Brooke Fraser song to play us out. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I won't do that to you. I'm not even really. A... Water. <laughs> uh, uh, hey Nick, Nick, who hey. sings that song? Brooke Fraser. You should let her do the singing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs>